12-sided stories is for mature audiences and often deals with topics that may be difficult for some listeners. Discretion is advised. In Eversink, the Office of Book Retrieval has librarian agents tasked by the Triskodane to recover overdue books and collect fees. In some cases, offenders must be neutralized by the agents for stealing important tomes. These are their stories. Hello and welcome to Bookhound Bounty Hunters Episode 3. My name is Wes and I have some wonderful players with me. Let's start with Michelle. Hey, I'm Michelle and I am playing the wonderful Katja and uh, wonderful and deadly. I am Farah Sarpaya and I am playing Giovanna Latratura, a church militant, and we are both she, her. Hey, I am Sam, Sam with two M's, and I am playing Tisha Valor, our fun-loving, party-loving prophet. Hello, my name is Candace, also known as Candace the Magnificent. My pronouns are they, she, and I am playing the duelist Leo DeSilvo, also they, she. Before we start, please consider supporting the show through Patreon or on coffee.com spelled K-O-F-I. Now, on with the show. Let's do a recap. In the last game, you were retrieving a book from a necromancer called The Afterlife, which allows people to pull souls from funerary statues that are able to possess other people's bodies. This went horribly wrong when Brad stole the book. You went back and you decided to take on a smaller job. You dealt with a merchant who had taken a book and would not return it. You snuck into his house while Tisha was distracting the merchant and you all met up afterwards. You noticed that there were also, when you were doing this job, that there were mercenaries and they were talking about some job down on the docks and this piqued everyone's interest. But you also decided that you needed to get back at Brad. You needed to get some coin in your pocket and some respect in your lives from Mother Biblia, who told you basically, look, if he does something out there, that's out there. If you you need to break his legs, break his legs, do what you need to do. So you picked up an expensive bounty. It was for a holy book called The Life of Denari, which if returned, will net you 40,000 coin, which is a lot of gold. And you've got a good lead on it. The person who stole it was a priest, Andre Castinia. And he took the book about a month and a half ago. They've sent him letters. They've asked him to return it. He's squirreled himself away into his luxurious house that he owns and will not come out and has not responded. He lives in Alderhall, which is the rich part of Eversink, the place where the money flows the most. Now, that was a pretty quick recap. I think I got the big points there. Was there anything else that you all remember or feel that we should mention before we jump into this? There's also the mercenaries box situation that we were gonna do at night, right? I believe that was connected with the job they were about to do. They kept talking about some job. And uh, you know that they're the head of the mercenaries is, you know, he's definitely interested in you. You are not interested in him, Giovanna. Uh, it is Talis. And uh, yeah, so now if I remember correctly, it was still it was like midday. It was a bit after lunch. So you still have plenty of sunshine to be able to go over to the priest's manor and see what was going on there. Do you want to do that or do you want to investigate the mercenaries more? I think probably we'd go to the house for the larger bounty so that we don't get Brad uh, <laughs> interrupting our good work first. The one thing um, was we there was something mysterious did we say there was something mysterious in the merchant's basement? Did we come back to Oh, that? yeah, you're absolutely right. There is something. There seemed to be some kind of sound coming from the mercenary, the merchants. God That's damn right, it. the merchants. The merchants' <laughs> basement. Uh, but you decided to leave um, uh, just because you got the bounty you were looking for. And all of his wives were there because he's a polygamist. 
I have in my notes. I try to prophesize what's going on oh, and yeah, feel I a for- dark entity. I'd forgotten about that. We left on that cliffhanger, didn't we? Hmm. Yeah. You, you hadn't uh, forgotten, you liar. <laughs> 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 we uh, left with you seeing a bright light and some kind of creature or something that definitely gave you the feeling of malice attached to the book that you're searching for. Uh, something that is powerful. And that's where we ended it last time. So when you wake up this time, you are... A bit sick to your stomach because the presence of this energy throws your whole body off. It's almost like you have a minor concussion, you know, like you're not feeling like you're all there. Okay. I was wondering where the part where like the difference between like affliction from this and like hangover where like where that line like fell. They seem to be mixed together quite well. Mm, That's fun. That that's fun. Fuck that book. <laughs> I don't want any part of whatever the fuck that thing has going on. You guys, this place sucks real bad. It sucks real bad. Well, hopefully we can get a hold of it quickly and then head straight back to deliver it. All right. So you head over there and it doesn't take you long. It probably takes maybe 20, 30 minutes. And you arrive and it's this big white marble mansion with all of these expensive fountains out front and the door is open and some of the morticians from the mortician guild are carrying out what seems to be like a stretcher with a black clothed body out of the building and there is a man standing at the door as you're walking up, who has a very worried look on his face. He's probably about 6'2". He's got really long blonde hair with these big curls. Kind of, he's got Robert Plant hair. You ever seen Robert Plant hair? It's like a mane from a lion. (laughs) And uh, he's got blue eyes and he looks, you know, he's watching the, the body be taken out of the house and he looks down at you and goes, oh, uh, hello. I, I'm I'm sorry. You've kind of caught us at a bad time. Can I help you? Uh, yes. Uh, we're here for a book. Um, a priest, Christina, borrowed it quite some time ago, and we need it back. Um. Well, unfortunately, he's passed. But if you'd like to take a look inside and look for it, you're you're more than welcome. What terrible timing we have. Well, he was in his nineties. It's. Unfortunate, but at the same time, he led a very full and long life, so there's that, at least. May I ask who you are to give us uh, access to his home? I'm his great-grandson, Enzo. I am so sorry for your loss. Come come in, come in. We'll, we'll find your book. Are you sure it's not too much for us to, like, look around in here? Like, I know this is a hard time, so... Well... I- if I'm being honest with you, I mean, anytime a, a family member passes, it's distressing. But my great-grandfather didn't have a good relationship with the rest of the family. My grandfather moved north when he was my age and started a family. And so we really didn't have much contact. About three weeks ago, I got a letter asking me to come down to visit. It came off as very depressed like he knew the end was coming and my father wasn't interested in traveling with me my father never met the man and my grandfather's already dead so i kind of took it upon myself to come and do this it's a lot more than i thought it was going to be it's a lot more here to deal with than i realized and he's probably in his like early 20s. He's probably 22 or 21. He is not a seasoned adult that can handle these things with grit and whiskey. So grit and whiskey sounds like the title of a Western novel or something. Absolutely. (laughs) Grit and whiskey. Absolutely. That's an autobiography for sure. (laughs) Next podcast. Exactly. (laughs) We'll do Haunted West and do that one. (laughs) Oh my God, please don't even joke. Oh no, I'll totally I'll totally run Haunted West for you all. 
It's um, a fun system to play. Is, yeah. That sounds wicked. I love it. All right. So he goes, um, anyway, I don't want to burden you with family past. Basically, all I have to do now is go meet with the morticians, try to find his will somewhere in this mansion and deal with that. Probably most of this stuff is going to go back to the church anyway. So if your book's in here, I would say grab it now so that it's easier for you to get to it than when the probate or whatever they're going to do starts. May I ask you a question? Of course. Uh, did you have a funeral statue made? I did, yes. In fact, he had one ready before I even got here. Interesting. Okay. Merci. I look at Katja. Like, I kind of gesture to the man to kind of show us the way, like, to invite us in. Yeah, and he walks He walks a few feet ahead of you. So I kind of hang back, and I try to talk to everyone if I can, but I don't want to make, like, a lot of noise. The young senora seems to think that this is a lot for him. We are quite good at doing uh, cataloging and research. That is our trade, of course. If everything doesn't seem like it's uh, black and white here, maybe we offer our services bookhounds rather than bounty hunters. I think that is a very good idea. It seems strange that uh, the father would know when he was about to leave. Go just like that. I mean, he was like 80-something. I mean, once you get to that age, you have to know. I'm also hesitant to leave such a tome in a place like this where anyone could stumble upon it. Now, far be it from me to stop you from performing a kindness for this young man, but we must acquire that book first. We, but in performing the kindness, we end up getting to search the whole mansion, all of it. Giovanna is all about the win here. I get it. I understand. I'm just saying it might be beneficial to us to have that level of familiarity with him. I mean, after all, the book is the codex of life, and this man is now dead. I would think that perhaps he was trying to use it to avoid this end. Something tells me something's not right. Because, and I think you see, like, Tisha's... She looks like that that meme of the, the lady that with, like, that's staring confused and all the math problems are going... <laughs> are like, around her yeah. head. Yes, right now. And she's like, because he obviously had to know that there was something worth value here because for what other reason would you come to clear out the estate of a dead relative you not only were estranged from but very rarely knew to begin with so there's something worthwhile here but because there's something worthwhile here i'm privy to think that he's not alone here I think you're quite right. We should be on our guard. I'll keep an eye out. And you see, like, I have one of my throwing knives out, and I'm kind of just toying with it in my hand, not being menacing or anything like that. I just kind of am idly playing with it and kind of looking around and trying to really soak up my surroundings. Is this place too fancy for the life that this guy should have lived? Like, he's saying there's a lot, but he's a father, and I don't know if, like... It seems suspicious that he has so much. Right, right. So unlike the Catholic Church, the priests of Denari definitely do not have a vow of poverty. Uh, in fact, it's the opposite because she is the goddess of money, merchants, trade, blah, blah, blah. So they are like evangelical uh, mega churches here in the U.S. where God wants you to succeed, and especially if you can send in money. So that's the best you know, parallel I can give you. When you walk in, I'll explain what this place looks like to kind of help you with your decisions. It is, there's this large circular room in the center with stairs that go up and then doorways off to the side. This is like a meeting hall place where you could have a dance, you could have a full orchestra in here if you wanted. The walls are lined. There's these huge stained glass windows and in between each one are these gigantic bookcases that have just thousands of books. And it looks completely like it's in disarray. There are books on the floor stacked up. There are books everywhere in this place. And it looks like he has been pulling books down 
and reading books and doing all this stuff in some kind of quest for some particular answer to a question. But one of you had mentioned that, you know, this is the Codex of Life. The guy's 90. He's getting to the end. Every day is a blessing, as they say. You know, so it's very possible he was looking for a way to stop this particular outcome. There is, without having to look very far, a desk off to the side. Obviously, this room has not been used for anything but research probably in the last 10 to 20 years. Uh, It's not like he's been having big eyes wide shut parties here. There is the Codex of Life sitting on the table, and it's got this huge gold lock on it, and the key is just, like, on the desk next to it. And Enzo kind of turns around. It's a lot. There's a lot of a lot of stuff here. I had the Sages Guild come by earlier this morning offering to buy most of this stuff, but like I said, I haven't found the will yet, so I have no idea what he wanted done with any of this. I beeline for the book. All right. So you're you're there at the desk. I, I pick it up with the key. Yep. You pick it up, you open up the lock, and when you open it, do you open it or no? Uh, I'm going to examine the outside first <laughs> to make sure it's legitimate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was, I'm sorry. I'm like, are you going to open the really magical book from a goddess? <gasps> yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Giovanna is not stupid. (laughs) No, not at all. So go ahead. I'm sorry. (laughs) I open it and I read it out loud. No. I no, I I pick it up, pick up the key also, and I just look over the like I said, look over the outside, look over the key, make sure it seems legit. That this is a hundred percent it. Yeah. All right. Um I turn back to the group. And to to Enzo and say, uh, this appears to be the book that we are looking for. But uh, my companions here were saying that perhaps if you require assistance, our particular specialities may, well, be of assistance to you, if you wish. Well, if you would help me look around this place to try to find wherever a will might be so that we can expedite whatever his wishes were. Like I said, I'm almost positive most of this is going to be going to the church but I also wonder uh, the sage the sages guild was very forceful about their want to buy which you know I don't want to do the wrong thing you know they did not see this book we no they didn't come in they said they knew that he was a collector I guess he used to work for them uh, he was one of their contacts with the church. Now, above game, the Sages Guild works with the church and has a private library. They did not want the public libraries to open up. They felt that the knowledge needed to be kept because it was a trade secret like any other guild. They didn't want people having access to those kind of things. And Mother Biblia worked very hard to open up the five libraries that are open now. Okay? So that's kind of the background on that. So this guy used to work at around the time that the first library was starting to get open, the public library. Uh, He was a contact and worked with the Sages Guild all the time. Most of the Sage Guild books are religious. So this particular book would be a huge grab for them. They would love it to have this book. The fact that it's in the private collection at a public library. See, what happened was once the public libraries set off and started working, the church basically softened their view on the public libraries and decided to loan out some of their more expensive books as long as they were well taken care of and a church official could check in on them every once in a while. That's why you all have this book in your library in the first place. And it's literally on loan. They can take it back at any point. You're supposed to read it in in a specific area behind cages. The fact that he just walked out of the library with it is kind of suspicious by itself. Uh, It should never have happened, basically. We might need to bump up the security. The library, at least around 
the more restricted sections. We must be careful in taking this book back, not only because of Brad, but because there are many people who could be after it. Quite so. Stupid Brad. Pulls out my flask and spits. (laughs) I, uh, continuing to speak to Enzo, I will say, I understand, of course, the appeal of selling such a beautiful collection to a private holder, but I would like to encourage you to think of, instead, uh, gifting it to the public library. It is a beacon, if you will, of knowledge, and it is invaluable to the growth of this city. And although I know you are relatively new to the city, as you say, it would indeed endear you to many, many people in all walks of life, you and your family. Well, that's not really my goal, but at the same time, you are right. I think that that would be a wonderful thing to to give to the city. My only concern is making sure that if there's any particular item here, there's literally thousands of things shoved into this house. If there's any particular item that needs to go to the church, I want to find out what that is before I sign the rest over. I didn't like the way that the sages were pushing me, and I'll be honest... Money isn't really the thing that is my... I mean, I know that's a big thing here in Eversink, but in the North, it's not as important. And so for me, I just want to, you know, do the right thing by my family and uh, put them to rest and then figure out what needs to be done. So if you can set up a way for us to get all these books into the public library, I'd be fine with that. But first, I need to find that will. And so... When you say artifacts that belong to the church, Mm -hmm. what do you mean? Just ballpark. Like, are you thinking of, like, iconography, statues, jewelry? Well, I mean, I can show you a, a piece that I have no idea what it is. Of course. All right. So he leads you down this long hallway off to the side of this big circular room. And there's books in the hallway, too, on the floor stacked up. And there's this large oak door, rune encrusted with a symbol in the center. And he goes, I can't open this door. It won't budge at all. And if I get too close to it, it starts to hum. So when when I touch the door and try to open it, it starts to hum. Hum, you say? Yeah, I'm a little worried it's some kind of trap or something, so I've left it alone. But there, there has to be something behind there worth, uh, you know, protecting so well. Can I use Skullduggery to try and open this lock? Sure. How much Skullduggery do you have? Well, I have two in Skullduggery, but I also have one in Ridiculous Luck. All right, so you can do a spend and try to see if you can bypass this. So what that's going to do is that's going to basically give you a bonus to your roll. You go ahead and uh, how many points do you want to use? Let me go ahead and use three points of burglary. And what I'll say is this investigation spend will get you past the magical trap that's on the door. It does not get you past the lock. So you have to make the roll for the lock. And this is an average roll. Okay. So for... I'll use three for burglary for getting past the lock. I'm not going to use the skullduggery yet. Well, you need the skullduggery to be able to get past the magic spell, the trap. It basically nullifies the trap because you're using an investigation skill. Okay. So do I have to use both points of skullduggery? No, just one. And you don't lose the point. You just use it and then you can't use it again until next game. But it's still there for clue finding. Okay. Okay. So then that's four added to my roll. Okay. Yeah, you can roll. But roll to see how well you do. But you just needed a four to get past the door anyway. I'm glad I used those points because I only rolled a one. All right. The door creaks slowly open and... In front of you is just darkness. It seems like all the candlelight that's in the hallway just is nulled by the door. There's just blackness beyond the door. Oh, it is darkness, my old friend. Can I use spirit sight? Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, how much do you want? Oh, well, that's an investigation skill, right? Or- yeah, yeah, it's an investigation skill. So I will use a point of that. And then could I use a point of like two points of preparedness? What do you want to prepare? Or do you want to wait until the moment that you know what you need? Oh, that's a good idea. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> good thinking. Yeah, I'll use, uh, let's use a point of spirit sight. Just, just to see. All right. So you look into the darkness with your spirit sight. In the center of the room is a blue glowing disc on the floor. And inside the confines of that disc is a creature that's probably seven, eight feet high, very skinny, and definitely a spirit. And it seems to be connected to a statue that's in the center of the circle. And it is trying to break out of the circle it is in. This is very much sorcery. Mon dieu. Does that entity feel the same or similar to the one I felt earlier? Yes, it does. So only you can see this right now. What do you tell people? Okay. When we get back to the library, I need you guys to take all of the cheap rum. Only leave the top shelf. No more cheap rum. Because that, I don't, I, I could be seeing there's, this place is fucked. And so is that. And she points directly into the middle of the room. Yeah, you all just see darkness, but she seems a little rattled by all this. What is it you see? You don't see like that, like blue floating disc thingy. Looks all incorporeal and spectral and shit. I see nothing, but I have no problem going closer. Oh, don't get closer. Don't get closer to it. Do I see, to- like, are they, like, as you said, when, like, the, the candles... Yeah, they're sconches. There's there's torch. There's there's torches. Can I try to take one and, like, go down there? Just relight it and go down there? Yeah. Don't go... Yeah. Not bright. <laughs> After Tisha, you know, says her, uh, says her, hey, wait a minute. You grab the torch and with great gusto go forward. And the darkness breaks once you get past the door. It actually looks normal in here once you get past the door. So there's obviously some spell that is keeping the door dark. In the center, like I said, is a, there's a disc with a funerary statue in the center. There are all of these runes around it piles of salt the runes are glowing and above it is this tall spirit thing that makes itself corporeal when you enter or semi corporeal and it's it looks at you i call back up to everyone okay so tisha's not wrong there is something up down here it's uh it's very big thought i was gonna have to get rid of my rum no, no, it's it's not just in your imagination. Katja, please, if you come down here, Giovanna as well, make sure you have your weapons drawn. I don't, I don't know what I'm looking at. Y'all are just gonna leave me up here. Gigi, stay with me. Enzo says, if you want to stay up here, I'll stay with you. I don't trust you. And I go down there with the rest of them. All right. It's it's, it's nothing, nothing against, against you. And you. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll. <sighs> Yeah, nothing, yeah, nothing against you. I just don't know you, bro. Sorry. It's understandable. From my understanding of magic books uh, of this type, getting them in proximity to something spiritual like that, is that a bad idea? Like on a scale of 1 to 10? Probably like a 12, 13. Okay, great. Uh, I will not step into the basement and uh, for now and say, um, I would rather, if it's not free... If it's still contained, why don't we bring the book back and then return and deal with this disaster? Yes? That was that was going to be my suggestion from, like, the very beginning. Because this book, this book should be top priority. Then, you know, we can come back or not. 
<laughs> no, we're, we're coming back, but we have to get this book out of proximity. <laughs> Hearing this conversation, Leo looks at the creature, kind of like narrows their eyes, and then she kind of pops back up to the, like to the doorway, like after hearing uh, Giovanna's concerns, kind of pulling anybody that's down there with them along. Okay. But I address Enzo. Signore, please tell me that you would be all right if we come back and we take a look. You mustn't go down there, though. This is just for professionals. Yes, I am. I am a uh, carpenter's son. I'm not going to get involved in whatever that is. I'll wait for you all to return and we'll shut this door. Is that safe to shut the door? Oh, oui. Can you show us where the funereal statue is that uh, the father had prepared? Uh, yes. Uh, Follow me. And he takes you back to the circular room. And on the desk... Now, funerary statues can be any size. Sometimes they're huge. Sometimes they're small. This particular one is relatively small. And it's covered up. And when he uncovers it, it's a small figurine that looks a lot like the priest with his denarii garb on the whole, the vestments and all that. So the big hat. But it is relatively a small statue. And the belief is, is that his soul is attached to the statue and went through to the afterlife through that statue, but is still part of the world because it, it, it it's a conduit, basically. I leave it there, but I try to make like a mental note. Like I look at the bottom, I, like I pick it up, I hold it, I try to kind of catalog it. And um, I look at the top of the desk to see if there's like a journal or a notebook that looks like, or maybe some parchment that uh, the deceased may have written on. He's got lots of books, like the movie seven amount of books like tons of notebooks everywhere with lots of scribblings and writings the most recent one is open with a page that is halfway full and you can almost like you're reading it and you can tell how frantic he was looking for some way to extend his life but the book didn't seem to give him what he needed I look up respectfully. May I keep this just for a moment? I will bring it back with me when we return. Yes, I I trust you all. You seem to be good people. We appreciate that. I kind of just nod and... Do I sense any sort of lying with him? I have liar's tell. He seems uneasy about all of this. That definitely comes across. Like he is not 100% confident about what's going on. That's what you, you sense from him. There's definitely an uneasiness about him. But he's not lying, like... Lying about what in particular, though? Well, I mean, I was afraid that if all of us went into that room, he was going to shut the door. You know what I mean? Is he who he says he is? Yes. Okay. One of my social abilities is trustworthy. And so I'm, I think I'm, I said I'm about his height. So I'm like in the six feet range. And I kind of put a, the hand not holding the book, a hand on his shoulder and say, Enzo, everything is going to be all right. We will be back as quick as we can once this is safe. And don't you worry, just protect yourself from anyone else that might come in. Things like this tend to get a little mm, tricky if not handled correctly. Well, it is, uh, you know, money drives people to do strange things. Now, above game, just to remind you all, sway, though it is a combat thing, sway can happen, you know, it's, it doesn't mean that you've drawn a sword. It means that you are using your ability to whittle their morale down and find out more information or whatever if you want to. So if you're really concerned about this particular person and you want to engage them because honestly Michelle you you got you all haven't really asked him any hard questions to discern whether or not he's lying about them you know he's told you who he is that definitely seems to ring true to you all but you know he is nervous and and this all seems to be especially after the door was opened you know he heard what was down there so it's up to you whether you chalk it up to a 21 year old with anxiety and nerves or if you're worried that there's you know he's doing something else in this situation it's hard because it's a renaissance city that doesn't have an id 
You know, I mean, yeah, that kind of stuff. It's your call. You could even ask him to go with you to the library if you wanted to. I just want to make sure you know all of your options so that, you know, you can either trust him or you or you don't. It's it's up to you. And so what about the the sages were pushy? Like, did you get what what did you get a feeling for what they were searching for? Like, did they name anything specifically that they were looking at? Were they just showing an overall interest in the collection? They offered me a large sum of money. It was uh, 800,000 gold pieces for the entire collection, which seemed like a lot and made me wonder why someone would offer so much for a collection. Right. I would feel more comfortable if you came with us. I don't know if you should be alone in the house with that thing. Now, are you just trying to persuade him or are you going to use any sway on this? I'm honestly, like, concerned for his safety. Okay. I just wanted to make sure, find out what you were all doing. Uh, He goes, yeah, if you feel that that would be safer, I definitely don't want to be here alone with whatever that thing is. So lead on. You've been alone here this whole time by yourself? Like, since you you got here, you didn't come with anybody? No, it was just me. Very intriguing. Did your great-grandfather note give you any reason to think he had something untoward in that room? Well, I mean, here's the note that I got, and he, he pulls it out of his satchel, hands it over, and it basically says, you know, dear family, the end is near, and my estate needs to be taken care of. And it asks specifically for his grandson, so this Enzo's dad, to come out and help deal with it before he passes uh, so that he's able to handle things. So the thing that strikes you is from this note, he thought that he was going to be able to deal with whatever was in that room before he died. He did not get that opportunity. He died before they got out here. And so you're guessing that that's probably the situation. And one thing I didn't get to ask with the humming, was it the same kind of humming we heard at the merchant's house? Yes. Oh. Good catch, by the way. I was about to say, very Mm -hmm. nice. (laughs) You said humming and Candace and I, like, like we were both looked at each other like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. I see what you're doing there. Beautiful. Can I see the letter? I want to try to see the past when it was written and try to see like the priest's circumstances around it. Like, was he talking to anybody in the room while he was doing it? What exactly was he prepping for? I'll use a point of my prophecy. Cool. You see the room that he's in now, candlelight, and him with a large decanter of wine and some fruit on a platter that has been there for a little too long. And him dashing down notes onto the letter. And he looks like he is in the seventh day of an Adderall binge. Like just his pupils are dilated. It it looks like he's on something. Oh, I'm out cold in the middle of the floor, by the way. (laughs) Uh, Giovanna will try to catch you if you drop. (laughs) You were able to get Tisha from drop into the floor. I remove one of my gloves and just gently tap her across the face until she wakes up. Okay, yeah. I wish she would warn us before she started doing this. We could have laid her down. It's good practice for my reflexes. It's all right. Um, And you wake up in Giovanna's arms. (laughs) I think, like, I wake up to, like, the floor, like, hearing that off in the background, and I'm just like, I apologize if my spells catch me off guard, Katya. I'll make sure to pre-warn. Do better about that. At least sit down. I just don't want you to get hurt. Sometimes it just happens. I forget sometimes. My only concern about leaving the place is, what if someone tries to break in? Yeah. So I have laws and traditions, um in my investigative abilities, would I be able to use that to, like, get some guards? I'm going to say yes. Uh, to come stand at the house? Okay. Um, 
even if I have to use some of my nobility clout to do that too, just like to make it extra stick. Well, you could use your laws and traditions with Tisha's guard watch connection. I was literally just about to say that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's totally fine. No, you were, me and you were on the same brave length there, Wes, because I was really about to say, I have allies in the city watch. Yeah. So yeah, you can get guards. So just to boost that. All right. So you head back, you get some guards, and you head back to the main library in Iron Cross, and you take the book upstairs, and Enzo says, I, I, I'm going to get a, a cafe, a, a cafe, a coffee down here, an espresso, uh, while you're up there, if that's okay, and when you're done talking with her, or with your boss, we can figure out what we're going to do next. Is that all right? Oh, yes. Enjoy the biscuits. I cast a glance at Tisha and kind of nod a head over at him because I don't trust him by himself. You know, Enzo, I would love to hear more about your upbringing. Do you mind if I... No, not at all. You guys got this, right? Oh, yes. It's yes. school. Yeah, you guys can handle that. Love y'all. Y'all are awesome. Hey, Enzo, do you like rum? And like opens up her flask as they walk off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you all go up and Mother Biblia's sitting behind her desk. Like I said, it's up on a little hill in the top of this thing. She says, oh, you found the codex. Let me see it. And she... Yeah, I very reverently place it and the key on her desk. Amazing. Was there any problems? Um, you could say that. Uh, Leo, would you like to um describe what you found? So, like, I take a very deep breath before I begin and I watch her face for reactions because I also want to know who signed the book out to the father for him to have walked out with it because she's also very she's aged not old but you know and I want to know like was there a connection there um so I kind of just do my best to um explain the basics of what we found then I explain that the, that the sages offered a great deal of money uh, for the entire collection, so we have lots of suspicions. I tell her that we have offered our assistance with trying to catalog and uh, adopt those books to have them in the public domain, basically, so that people can benefit from them. And then I tell her about the secret door. Okay. Well, the second you mention the sages, or her eyes narrow and she just... Motherfucking cocksuckers, I swear to God. So tired of them. They're always in the way. So they offered money for all these books, you say. Well, we need to get the priest over here to collect this book, put it behind the church's security, obviously. I think we quite agree. We've tried to make those connections sooner rather than later, but we felt we needed to come back here with this book in the interim so you could take a look at it. We could get it back into the catalog and away from prying eyes. It should have never left here anyway, see? Yes. Hmm. And she opens up her logbook and looks at who was at the library at the time to be able to sign it up. And Agent Lorraine and Agent Brad were both on duty at the time. I knew it. We can't jump to conclusions as much as we'd like to. No, but I can walk to one. <laughs> <laughs> I can skip. <laughs> Mother Biblia, do you know where Brad is? It would explain why he knows where all the most expensive books are. That's very true. If he's setting up all of these books to make it uh, necessary for him to have bounties and then goes and reclaims them, it's quite a betrayal, don't you think? Mother, you said we could uh, break bones if we needed to, yes? Uh, I may break bones if... Uh... One of them has done something, but yes, we need to get to the bottom of this little mystery as quickly as possible. But the first thing we need to do is get this book to the priest and get it behind their closed door. What about the spirit? One fire at a time, I think. Once we've secured the book in another location, then we go back to the place with Enzo, who is downstairs, correct, with Tisha. And then go to the place and clear it out. Take all the books out of there. He says that he wants help finding the, the will. We'll give him help. And we'll use that as a guise to get the books out of there and secure 
We're not stealing them, don't worry. What we're doing is making sure that no one else has an opportunity to steal them first, you know? He seemed quite amenable to donation as well, so... He said it wasn't about the money. Yeah, well, if you let you walk in and just take whatever you wanted, that says a lot about his uh, worry about money. But at this point, I don't think we should trust anyone, to be honest. Except for you all, because you brought the book back. I want to find out what this conspiracy is and how deep the Sages Guild gets into it. One other thing on this. Kacha and Leo, they sensed something in the last house. Um, and you said it was similar to what you felt in this one. Is that correct? Perhaps there's more to this than meets the eye. We, when we retrieved the the last book, there was an um in the house. Uh, I'm sorry, an um? We, oui, an um. um. Oh, a hum. Okay. We, oui, we, oui. and it was, um, it was the same um in in this house. It sounded kind of like a maybe magical a lock kind of on the door. Well, we need to check into that too. Jeez. There is a lot, Mother, that we have to check on, but rest assured, you have good people on it. There is. Well, then we need to get we need to get to it as, as quickly as possible. Why don't you go ahead and take this book over to the priest at the church, and I will speak with Enzo, send him up here. So you get downstairs, and Tisha, you and Enzo, uh, do you have any questions you want to ask him while you're sitting there eating, drinking rum tea and eating crumpets or whatever the hell? No, but I think they get pretty sloshed pretty quick. And like, by the time you guys come downstairs, Tisha's like on his lap, like full on, like brushing his hair back. And it's just like, you know, I'm so sorry about like your, like your great, great grand, grand, yeah, you know, it's really, losing family is really hard and there's like a level to it right where it's like you don't necessarily know them so like you don't have any emotional attachment to them but like it's still family and like you're the only one they had left so it's like that level of like obligatory feelings where you like you feel like you have to then be there right like that's something that has to be done and i'm just here to let you know that you don't necessarily have to but like i appreciate you 100 percent for even like letting us like just come in the first place you're so nice and your eyes are so blue they're so blue did you know that like such a pretty blue so the best description is a 21 year old with very little experience with women, trying to be confident, but not not doing a very good job. And the second he sees you all, he uses that as a way to like shift the conversation really quickly. And he's like, oh, I really appreciate it. So how did you all do? And kind of like puts you down in the chair next to him and stands up real quick, uh, just like, I don't know what to do. This is uh, more attention than I'm used to. Bless your heart. <laughs> What do you say to him? Well, we spoke with Mother Biblia. We're going to take this book to a safer location, but she's asked to speak with you. Um, she's going to help you arrange the removal of the item behind the door and to help you catalog all the books and look for the will as well, um, as as we mentioned. Oh, that's that's a great help. I'll, I'll go speak with her now. Uh, thank you. I, I appreciate it and kind of looks at Tisha. Thank you for your thank you for your compliments. And then makes his way up the staircase. When when he goes to Mother Biblia's office, I want to use some stealth to go hide in there somewhere so I can listen to the conversation. Okay, so you're not going to the um, to the church. No. All right. Not yet. I can meet them there, but okay. So the three of you head over to the church. I need a stealth roll first, though, Michelle. Is it regular? Yeah. Uh, I will put three stealth in it. Okay. And I rolled a three, so that makes it a six. I have where'd she go? So basically, uh, I just appear somewhere in the room. (laughs) 
Okay, you you can't get inside of the room with them. You can be outside of the room, but in a place that you could hear everything going on. Okay, that's fine. Because getting in, that's, I mean, it would be very difficult to get inside the room unless you want to do, I don't know. No, if I, as long as I'm somewhere where I can hear them, I'm fine. Yeah, you can hear them fine. All right, so you all head over to the the church and the priest meets you on the steps and is very excited to see the book. Giovanna, do you hand it to him? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the apprehension with every decision for all of you. <laughs> I, the church is my ally, I must. <laughs> He takes the book and goes, oh, I'm so... Something wrong. What What do you mean? Did you open the book at all? No, of course not. None of us did. He goes, something wrong. And he turns around and starts to walk through the doors. Do you follow? Oh, yes. He goes up to the podium, puts the book down, unlocks it, and it opens up. He goes, no, what this... This isn't right. This is very wrong. And you look down and there is no writing on any of the pages. And that's where we're going to stop this episode. Oh, no. What? (laughs) Thank you. That dastardly villain. (laughs) It's Brad. I know it's Brad. I know it's Brad. I don't know why. I don't know how. It's Brad. Fucking Brad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to blame him anyway. And even if it isn't Brad, he's involved. So thank you all so much. I hope you had fun playing. We will be back next week with more book hounds. But for right now, let's find out where all of these wonderful people are. Uh, Let's start with Candace. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Candace, also known as Candace the Magnificent. Uh, You can find me at that Candace girl on Twitter, at Magnificent One, all one word, on Hive or at Candace the Magnificent everywhere else. Um, yeah, please come back next week for more bookhounds. Very excited. Hey, 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 everyone. I'm Sam. That's Sam with two M's. You can find me on Twitter and Hive at Lust for Life X, L-U-S-T-T-F-O-R-L-I-F-E-X. And you can catch up with all of my fun stuff right over there. I have been Farah Sarpkaya, and you can find me on literally all the socials as at Farah Kaya, um, and you can find me also at Crossroads Games for all sorts of spooky things. Hey, I'm Michelle. You can find me on Twitter and Hive at Mishulu. That's M-I-C-H-U-L-H-U. You can find my music and Wes's amazing sound effects if you subscribe to the Plate Mail Games catalog through BattleBards. And I am Wes Otis. You can find all of the pertinent links and everything else at 12sidedstories.com. Uh, 12sidedstories.com, that's all one word, and then .com. Go and find us on Discord, definitely. We would love to have you. If you want to support the show, join us on Coffee or on Patreon, or give us a shout out, or give us a review on your favorite platform. And uh, yeah, I think that covers. We are also on all the socials as 12 Sided Stories, the number 12 Sided Stories on Instagram, Hive, and Twitter right now. So you can check us out there. Thanks to the uh, cast again. Uh, and we will see you next week for more Bookhound Bounty Hunters. Bye. Bye.